0: right now the united states is more divided than it's ever been people are at each other's throats left right blue red it's not about having the right answers it's about asking the right questions welcome to into the quagmire podcast Two very different men, respectfully having the difficult discussions and debates that many are not willing to have. But that's what we need to help bring the United States back to its roots. Bring people together, realizing that different opinions aren't just okay, but it's a great thing. This is Into the Quagmire, and here are your hosts, Artie Manfredi and Ryan Melton. Hello, everyone.
1: Welcome. It is officially tax season, so we're going to be talking taxes. Um, this should be a pretty interesting conversation. We're just going to kind of do, a, I guess, you know, 30,000-foot overview of taxes, our feelings on it, how the government operates, how it's funded. Um, do we feel it's right, it's wrong in between? And uh, yeah, let's, let's jump into the quagmire here. How are you doing, Ryan? It's Doing all right. So taxes bad, and we're basically done with the
2: conversation. Right? That's it. Yeah. That's it. We're, we're done. Taxes are bad. Say. I think we can all right. agree
1: taxes are bad. I think we should just get rid of those,
2: and that, uh, then life will be good, right?
1: That's 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 very conservative of you, Ryan. I'm... <laughs> I can I can get behind. I think this. that's
2: actually more more extreme than basically anything. Um, yes, there there are certain problems with not having any taxes. I, I would
1: think. So, so, so I, but I think, I think this is an interesting point, right? That's, that's typically assigned to a more conservative or libertarian type mindset. So, so, so why Ryan, a, you know, left of center, are taxes bad? Well, it, it's, it's, and I'll give you the, this,
2: the, the answer that no one says, which is taxes are bad for me, but they're fine for rails. Oh, there you go. <laughs>
1: there, I don't, there I it
2: should, is. I, I, Ryan should not have to pay any taxes, but all you de- degenerates out there, you should be like doing your part to uh, pay for all of our stuff.
1: There you go. So, so is that the real feeling? I mean, I, I, I would say that's probably pretty accurate, right? Everyone's always blaming the tax the 1%, right? Close, you know, close the income inequality gap. And we do that through taxing everybody through the nose. And, <laughs> Um. The more you work, the more you earn. The more we're gonna essentially penalize you, is the way our our, our current structure is set up.
2: Well, I, I unfortunately I think that I mean no one who wants to pay money. I mean no no one wants to pay money. But well, people, well I, the only like argument I've heard is the people who feel guilty. Like I feel guilty that I've been so blessed or been so um, successful um, that I I should be giving back. Like, then give the I charity. People so really have kind of. Well, b- <laughs> <laughs> but then people don't have to, and all the other people like me—they they should have to. Well,
1: to, and so I think right. that's the that's the key to this whole conversation. Is I I think it's not so much that people don't want to pay, right? Because people love paying for things that they enjoy, right? Everyone walk around with an iPhone in their pocket, and you know they love their clothes and cars, right? But but the difference is this is involuntary, right? This is not. I don't want to pay. It's, it's money is being taken away from me without any choice in the matter. And, um, well, so if, and you I, don't, if you don't pay, you get to go to
2: jail at some point, right? That's yeah. Funny. In
1: fact, I, I saw this funny, like it was, it was set up like a comic and it was picture of this like guy talking to the IRS and the IRS com- comes up to this guy and basically says, hey, hey uh, you have to pay me some money. And the guy says, okay, what do I owe you? And the IRS responds, no, no, no. You have to figure that out. <laughs> and he says, he says, okay, so I'll, I guess I'll try to figure it out. And then the IRS comes back, oh, and by the way, if you make a mistake or get it wrong, we're going to check your math. And if you get it wrong, you're going to jail. And he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> 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 this this doesn't sound
2: right. Fortunately, fortunately, that is not true, though, right? I mean, you would only go to jail if you're in, intentionally not paying or intentionally yes. cheating.
1: Yes, oh. it is a bit tongue-in-cheek, but there, there's some Some truth in the flavor of that
2: well the the funniest part of that is what I kind of that I think this was kind of one of my biggest surprises in becoming an adult is the first part of you said that, which was how how much do I owe? Yeah,
1: I don't know, figure it out, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and and figured out using this extremely complex like equation that you need to hire a professional to understand because it's not understandable. Because because if I tried to understand, here's this giant book of tax codes that are not written in plain language, and good luck, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's either good luck, and then but, I mean that's why the the taxes and the H R Block softwares of the world kind of were so successful when they first came out is because seriously I don't, I don't know if you if you look at what actually those those programs generate it's like this boring couple pages long form <laughs> yep. and so it's just like you just have some numbers on that form and then it tells you the answer is five and you're like okay but you would just went through like a thousand questions in TurboTax to get to that and somehow that translated into this little form yep it's, i don't know it's very confusing my dad i mean my dad grew up doing it on just that form right he would Take all of his receipts, and he would go through it, and he would just fill out the form. I um, know it's interesting. I think. I, I mean, I think what what that really comes down to is that pretty much everyone does their taxes wrong. Pretty is, much would be my assumption. <laughs> yeah, and the only people who actually and and typically nothing happens because it's work to figure out that you did it wrong. So the only people that anyone ever figures out. Did going is whatever very small percentage of people that get audited
1: correct and right? usually it's like the irs only spends time to audit people like when there's like red flags right you always hear about these red flags right if there's deductions are higher too high in comparison to your income or whatever like there's well, certain things that set off their if system you had 10 alarms. million
2: dollars of income and you paid no taxes they might be like huh
1: you might want to look at that <laughs> yeah
2: that doesn't seem like that math should, should be right we should check that
1: yeah but it, yeah i
2: mean I, i've never been audited i mean i don't know if you ever
1: have i have not knock on wood um i might i think my parents have um which is interesting because i i guess their parents haven't and like it was there was like an association with like the, my dad was like under like this like the government's after me right my my last name is now like tainted and 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 they're gonna come after me and like fortunately it hasn't happened to me and so I'm i'm hoping his theory is was wrong <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, no, I have not well, been audited the yet.
2: The government probably thinks you've got mob ties, so yep, got to check you out. Yep, Literally have a cousin Vinny.
1: <laughs> yeah. I have a brother Vinny. <laughs> brother yeah, Vinny. Yeah. It's even worse. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. And yeah. so I, I think what we kind of just made the point is, is first off, like before we even get... We haven't even gotten that deep yet and we've already come to the conclusion that I, I think this thing is just way too complex, right? It should be easy for the average American to basically sit down and say, here's what I earned and here's what I owe. And, and, and I would make the argument that I think a simple way to do that would just have been a flat percentage like for everybody right and this way you know if it's like 20 percent across the board if you didn't make very much money last year you're not going to pay very much taxes and if you made a ton of money you're going to pay a ton of taxes and it kind of all averages out and evens out and it seems to be the the fair way to do it but this whole progressive system with with write-offs and, and a giant book of tax codes that it's just it shouldn't be this difficult for the average american to just pay their taxes yeah it is it is way more complicated
2: than it should be um I, I agree that the a flat model would be more fair that so let's, let's talk about the tax brackets because I, I think this is something that how it works can still confuses a lot of people because even even itself is confusing but I do have the last year's tax brackets that does change it a little bit every year because you know inflation and blah blah but so last year's tax brackets there were one two three there's seven different. Um, fed for federal income tax, there are seven different rates. It goes from 10% to 12% to 22% to 24% to 32% to 35% to 37% is the highest federal income tax bracket. Um, and when so then it's a graduated system. So based on how much money you make determines which tax bracket you fall into. Now, this is where it becomes confusing. And this is where people get, try to do, they actually do kind of stupid things to try and get themselves to fall into a lower tax bracket when it's not really how it works. So we'll take a couple of examples. let's look at the, um, so 12 to 22%, that's a big difference, right? So that's a 10% jump between 12 and 22%. So that, that jump, if you're into, if you're not married, if you're single happens at $40,125. And if you're married, it happens at $80,250. The first thing you'll notice there is that the numbers are exactly double. So if you're single, it's 40,000
1: basically, and if you're married, it's 80,000. But that's basically. only if you're if you're filing jointly, married and filing jointly, correct? I married filing jointly. Yes. Correct. You can't be married yes. and filing two individual tax returns and get that same doubling benefit. And somewhere. there's
2: actually a third category which I'm not as familiar with, there's something called head of household. And with head of household, it goes up at $53,000. So I'm not going to get into that because I don't totally understand it, but um, I think that is where you have dependence. Then you can um, go up at 53,000 instead of 40,000. I think that's what that means. Um, but between the two, so there's no benefit to being married and filing jointly versus being single. So there's not like a loophole of, oh, oh we're married, but if we both file single, yay, it's better for us. It's not actually, it's exactly the same. So they, there's at least no loophole there. So That's, that's an important point. But... People people think, oh, crap, I'm going to make $81,000 this year. That's going to push me up to the 22% tax bracket. Bad. I have to not do that. So I have to like intentionally work less or get sick or you know do something to, to, to make sure I don't enter that. Or, or find some way to get a bunch of write-offs. Yeah, or, or get a bunch of deductions where I can just get below that line and be happy. But that's not actually how it works. And this is what confuses so many people. It's a graduated system. So... Your first, however money, so there's actually one bracket before this, the 10% bracket. So that goes up to, let's just stick with the married couples. So that goes up to about $20,000. So that means on your first $20,000, you're going to pay 10% tax. Then between 20000 and $80,000, you are going to pay 12% tax. So now when I cross over that 80000 into the 22% tax bracket, all of my money doesn't get taxed at 22% it's only the money that I've made between 80000 and up now, up to 171000 that's going to get taxed at that higher rate, at the 22%. So it's an important detail. It's like, So if I made $81,000, I don't need to freak out. It's only that $1,000 over the top there that's going to get taxed at 22%. And all the rest is still only going to get taxed at 12 and then 10 for the bottom 20%. So it's, it's an important detail that you don't need to freak out about being near the line. It's not like you're going to double the taxes if you cross the line you're not you're only going to pay double the taxes on the part of money that crosses the line and i think almost everyone get, doesn't understand this at least i didn't understand it for a long time and i've even talking to people they seem confused by it so that's an important that's an important detail i want to bring out now that doesn't mean taxes are good
1: <laughs> they're still bad but that's an important detail that i think people need to to properly understand yeah no that uh, was a great explanation ryan thanks for for clarifying that and and yeah it again, it just goes back to the confusion of it all. Like, why, why are we making this so difficult for people to understand? Like the average American should just, should very, be able to simply look at a chart and say, okay, I'm going to owe X." right? It should be, it yeah. should be so much more simpler.
2: Well, it'd be nice if it was just like you said, a flat number. And then I can just say, I made a hundred thousand dollars times 0.15, let's say 15%. And now I owe $15,000 at the end. Yep. Or, and this goes back to the fairness, if I made a million dollars, 0.15. now I pay one hundred fifty thousand dollars. So I, if i made ten times more than you, I end up paying ten, 10 times, times more, more taxes than you. <laughs> but that's not how it works. No, right? That is not. not how it works right now. So now, if if I so if for that example, if I am if one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you are in the twenty two percent tax bracket. Um, for that again, about money above eighty for the million dollars or the what did I say? Did I say fifteen million a, dollars? You said a million. A million dollars. Well, let's say $1.5 million. So it's exactly 10 times. Okay. $1.5 million. I'm in the 37% tax bracket for the majority of that money for everything above $622,000. So a lot. I'm now paying. Yeah. I'm paying 15% more out of $1.5 million. So it's, it's, it's literally double the amount yep. of taxes that you end up paying. Um, at a percentage rate almost to where you're, you're <laughs> so much of your money is getting taken, even though it would have already been a lot more absolute dollars um, just because you made more, which would be fair, right? If I make more, I pay more. But if it right now, it's, if I make more, I pay lots and lots more <laughs> Yep. <laughs> to the point where it becomes, um, if it, 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 it's still worth it, but you're still net positive, but if it, it feels like, I'm not working for myself anymore i'm I'm working for the man or whatever i don't, i don't know it feels
1: it feels like theft at a point it does and and i would, it's it's de incentivizing and, and and yeah you said it's it still is a net gain but it certainly doesn't feel that way, especially when you get that you know big giant tax bill it's like a punch in the gut like man, I killed myself. Like I, I worked, you know, 80 hours every single week, seven days a week. I was up, you know, till two in the morning trying to, trying to, cause I'm an entrepreneur and I'm excited about this. And then here's your penalty for working your tail off. <laughs> like that, that's essentially what you it know, is. And the thing is if it, if it was
2: just the federal income tax 37%, okay. That's about, I get to keep two thirds about, it's a little less than two thirds, but it's about two thirds. Okay. I, I get to keep the majority, but the problem is it doesn't stop right? Nope. It doesn't just stop with the federal tax rate. That's that's just part one, phase one of my money being taken from me. So then we go into phase two of state income tax. Yay. So Colorado state income tax is about 4.5, 4.6%. 4. So now my 37%, assuming we're in the highest tax bracket, that's kind of an exaggeration, but even the other ones are only 35 or 32% less. So Let's say thirty. Let's say we're in the thirty-two percent federal bracket. So then, now Colorado, we go up from thirty-two percent to thirty-seven percent effectively with state income tax. Okay, I'm still I'm still kind of at the two-thirds of keeping. Okay, but then there's this magical thing called self-employment tax. <laughs> Yay! And that's not included in this. No, what, do, what do you mean? There's no, there's there's more taxes. Well, how much is that? Fifteen point three percent more. What? <laughs> yep. So now you add that on top, and guess what? You're above fifty percent. More than fifty percent of your income is taken. At least uh, one thing with the self employment tax is different than the generic federal tax, which they can spend on whatever the heck they want. The self employment tax is all earmarked money. So that's money that is theorica- theoretical, your own personal retirement savings account, which is with social security and theoretically your own personal health insurance policy with Medicare theoretically. Yeah, exactly. At least it's, at at money. it's, (laughs) it's money that is supposed to come back to you when you're old. Both those categories are money that is supposed supposed to be basically a forced retirement account is, 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 that's the point of the self-employment tax. So you can at least kind of pretend that that is helping you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But now imagine if I took that 15% and put it in my own mutual funds versus the, you know, a failing social security fund and failing Medicare, it'd be a much different story. I'd actually be able to retire.
2: Well, if it actually did come back to you, that'd be amazing, but it doesn't really. It doesn't. And they keep pushing the dates about when, when is retirement age that keeps getting pushed. Um, so the coming back to me, I think, personally, is, is is a silly argument. It's never going to come back to me. Um, but it is... At least there, it's helping other people who can't afford health care, who can't afford um, to live in retirement. So, I mean, I don't know. The The whole welfare state is a whole other uh,
1: conversation we can have. It is, I do personally that's, that's like what having the social safety net. But, but that's what like all this tax money is funding. That's why they keep taking so much. That's why they need 50%, right? Is so that they can pay for all these things that are, I hate to say it, but but this is what really pisses me off about it all is they're all failing programs. Like, and this is why I I brought up the charity discussion before is I I am very charitable. I I give to a lot of different charities. I wholeheartedly believe in charity. I I've also donated time. I've served on boards. I've, um, you know, volunteer. I do a lot of volunteering. Um, I'm big in the charity, but the difference in charity is charity, you can choose the, the, the charitable organizations that are successful at their goals and what their mission and what they're doing. And right now we're just throwing 50% of our income, essentially, in, the, in this example, right, to, to these programs that are large in large part failing and they're completely inefficient. The government wastes money all over the place. And yet, instead of fixing the waste, they just keep asking for more. And that that's, I shouldn't say asking, they keep taking more. Um, and it's, this, this is what drives me nuts about the whole thing, but it's all kind of a part of this conversation of as our government continues to get bigger, they're just going to keep taking more money and, and, and it's all going to these failing programs. Well,
2: so there's a couple of points I'd like to make on that. Um, waste is debatable, right? It's the systems are run inefficiently, completely agree but what is waste, right? That waste is jobs. That waste is people's income. And the problem is if you fix the waste, now there's less jobs. So the conservative argument for that is like, well, then those people can go work on other stuff and now our economy is more efficient and, and good. Yay. Um, maybe, but there's, there's a lot of turmoil in the getting to being able to do other stuff or even finding other stuff too. It doesn't, it's not like an instant switch of, Oh, I can just go do something else and I've got a new job. Yay. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that.
1: No, I'm not saying like it that. does, but <laughs> at the same time, I mean, if we're saying that these taxes and the, the taxes, the way they're currently structured are unfair, which I think we agree on, right. They're unfair because we're paying for all these inefficiencies. And, and if we cut the fat, right, we might be able to make a more fair and a, a, a more reasonable tax structure that I think would be I think we'd be better off for. And and now too you, you, people maybe, you know, this fifty percent maybe it's reduced down to thirty percent or whatever it is, right? But now that's twenty more twenty twenty percent more that can be pumped into the economy through purchasing goods, investing money, you know even if they even if it's sitting in a bank account and let's just say you know, the neighboring bank, that bank now can lend more money, right? Because the, the way they can lend money is always based on the amount that they have in deposits, right? And so you, you, it would bolster our economy even that so much this more.
2: Is, this is, you're, you're kind of making the trickle-down economics argument, um, which could, which liberals are extremely against. Um, yes. Because they believe it's been proven as not true. Um, and there's certainly arguments to both sides uh I, I think their argument would be that the rich people will just keep our money and say yay for us and not spend it more in the economy and then nothing trickles down and then every, now you've got higher unemployment you've got all kinds of negative consequences
1: no i i, I get their argument but but again, even if it sits in the bank, that 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 means the bank has has the money right now. The bank is a business. The bank can hire more people. I mean, even worst case scenario, um, they can now lend more money because the bank sits, you know, the money sitting in the bank. But like, how many times you, you right. right? We we own. But then the bank is rent.
2: Co- then the bank is rent collecting instead of the government, right? They're they're taking their cut of of that money just like the government would.
1: Yeah, but the difference there, it's voluntary now, right? It's because I decided to take a loan, and I decided and agreed to pay in certain interest rate back, but like, so for ex- another, another example, this I is have why you've capital to, to where I could do it myself, <laughs> but then you won't get a proof for the loan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, <laughs> if I was just rich, it would solve all these problems. I, I well, that's well, no, then <laughs> what I found is the more money you get, the more problems it creates, <laughs> right? Cause now you got all these, the, the taxes get more complicated. Everything in life just gets more complicated. Um, but but like you and I are both entrepreneurs. We both own businesses and and we're, we're partners in in most of them. And how many times, like do we have to make a decision because, oh man, we got taxes due coming up, right? How many times would we like to maybe hire an employee, like create another job, but we can't because we know we've got a, a a liability or a burden that's, that's about to to hit. Um, You know, this has real consequences and, and, largely unfortunately in my opinion they're they're largely negative consequences and so yeah we're we're giving more handouts but we're not giving any hand ups and that that's that's why these programs mainly fail
2: well and this is kind of this is you hit at why the waste occurs if we hire an employee that employee has to end up making enough money to pay for themselves effectively right correct because there's no magic money to just play for employees for fun because we have to earn the money. Otherwise you don't have it. Right. Yes. That's, that's how a normal private business works. Um, with the government, they're just stealing the money so they can pay for employees. Cause they, they have the money that they stole and it doesn't matter if they do a good job, they still get to take that much money every time. Yep. Right. And so that, that's why it's inherently inefficient because there's no return on investment or like quality of work defines, I don't know how to phrase it, but there's no, um, you don't have to be successful as the government entity to keep getting income, I guess is, yes. is the way I'm putting
1: yeah, it. Yeah. If you remove the, I mean, this is right. The argument for capitalism, right? You, you remove the, the penalty or the reward of where I get to choose where my income goes or where my, where I'm going to spend my money. There's no incentive for them to create a good product, right? Or, or provide good service because they don't have to, there's taking the money, whether they provide good service or not. So, well, it's easier to be lazy, and this is, you know, this is how I feel about it. That I feel like it's laziness. It's laziness in management. It's laziness in training people. It's, it's just easy to be lazy, knowing that the money's coming in no matter what you do, right? It's easy to just kick your feet up and say, "I'm getting paid no matter what." Mm-hmm.
2: So there are there are counterexamples. Um, I don't know if I was going to go straight to the counterexamples, but that's what's on my mind. So the, so the government has to do some things that are inherently losses. Like they're the only people who can. Because things that are, in, that are useful and good for the world, but are inherently losses, a business can't do that because they would go out of business doing that. So that is an exception where the government really has a place in that, um, like, basic research is one of the classic examples. Um, a lot of basic research ends up with useless nothing. Um, but every once in a while you get that game changer like the transistor or the game changer like the internet right those things came from government funded basic research and you could say well yeah if private companies did that they would make a billion dollars too well they would have but it doesn't counter the fact that all the basic other basic research that ended up with like you know jello or something This something that's not super super useful um we've met, or we have a better understanding of the universe so like astrophysics is an example uh, I don't know of anything particularly super exciting that's came from astrophysics of uh, understanding, you know, quasars and how the universe is expanding, but it adds to the human knowledge or of the of the world, but there's no really return on investment there. Um so that's the places where I think the government really does f- have a useful position in that no capitalism business would ever do that because there's no there's no money to be made. But
1: but right. there could have been, right? Had they found this thing, let's say you know, let's say astrophysics, right? Elon Musk has basically taken over the space program through SpaceX, like in large part, right? NASA is, is essentially, it's not defunded, but it's nothing what it was, right? But, but here, they, here the government created this awesome program that they to- totally could have like turned around and sold to the private sector and made a return on an investment. Like, hey, we'll give you all of our data, all of our equipment, all of our everything, Right, that just like a business would have done, and now there would have been a return on investment. I, I think a better argument for your point would have been like the military, right? For for peacekeeping, for keeping us safe. I mean, that is just a, a net loss financially. There's no no return possible in that realm, um, but it's something that's absolutely necessary, right? There
2: are returns possible if it, with corruption. Well, with, fine um, then, uh- <laughs> using using your military to influence world geopolitical stuff, which we do. Yeah. um right so there, there there is return it's just harder to, to to correlate um and there's a lot of money saved by not getting attacked like yeah some of these poor countries like syria i it's going to be so hard for them to ever
1: come back because they're just trashed well, well it's interesting you bring that up because if we look at the history of income tax that's where it's all started Right, so so prior to income tax, everything was like tariffs and fees and charges, and you know it was on like alcohol, tobacco, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Income tax didn't come along till 1913, and it came as a response to World War One and a, as a way for our country to recover um, and essentially pay for World War One. That was the whole purpose of income tax. It was meant to, and it, and it's in its initial phase was meant to be temporary like hey we just got out of this war you know we spent all this money as a country to 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 participate in this war and now we're broke and we need money to pay this off And this will help our economic recovery as a country it'll help us pay off all these war bonds and everything else that was going on at the time um and then obviously once you give the government money you're never getting it back um once the cat's out of the bag but but that's how this all started you know for this military and like syrian example it was all meant to get us out of the the hole we dug um, pun intended trench warfare um, the whole we dug mm-hmm. with with the war yeah and again that's this is kind of the the fallacy of things have always
2: been this way um, things haven't always been this way like you said no the income tax is only just a little bit over 100 years old and so obviously the u.s existed without it before 1913 now like you said there were taxes on stuff but it wasn't just if you earn money of that money goes to the government it was a different a very different model and the government was a lot smaller and like and that's the other part that you're putting on is as the government gets bigger it doesn't want to get smaller no right getting getting smaller means uh, it's it's interesting you can look at it from kind of a tribal perspective like the government is kind of a tribe working for the government and they don't want to lose they don't want to get that tribe doesn't want to get smaller or to have their money taken away um so as people, which is it is, I mean, everything's people, you, all these int- businesses and corporations and governments, they're all people. It's all just people. Um, those people, these people banded together. So again, kind of tribal, tribal kind of like tribes. Those people banded together don't want to to lose their good stuff. And that makes sense. That's how people work.
1: Yeah. And, and the truth is, those that would have to make the decisions to shrink the government are the ones that are most benefit from it being a large government. Right? A bigger government means more power, means more money. It means my role as leader means uh, it provides more income and you know, more influence. Yeah. More influence, just, more everything.
2: Yeah. It's the whole being being big is good for the government. I mean, that's being big is good for a corporation, gives them more power and more income, more influence, and more options, right? I mean, that's, that's just how, how money works.
1: It is, but um, the difference between the, a, a corporation and the government is if a corporation does something bad or something that is terrible or something that we don't agree with, we can just stop spending money to that corporation and boom, corporation now gone, right? With the government is they're taking our mother w- money whether we like what they're doing or not. And that, that's, that's the challenge, right? It's, it, as you said, it's basically stealing. They're just taking it. I have no choice in the matter it's, and it's, they get to do what they want with it.
2: It's sort of like that. The problem is we get to these kind of oligopolies to where there's like, you can choose Apple or Google pick one. Yep. (laughs) When there's only a couple choices, is it really that different than the government, which is a single choice? Um, there's an argument that it's not that different. So I don't know. At some level corporations become so big, they become pseudo governments. And I think that's something the world is going to start realizing more and more as we come along is that, These megacorps, the Apples and the Googles and the Amazons of the world have a ton of power um, because they have a ton of money. And so they can, they have a ton of influence. And I don't know if it's ever been this obvious. Maybe it's always been true that there's always the kind of individual groups that have a lot of power and authority, but um, with public record keeping and, you know, the SEC and all this stuff, information that's available, it's super obvious that, there are these mega international, they're not even national, right? They're international mega corporations that have a ton of international power, right? That's not even localized power. It's 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 interesting. Um, I mean, they, they can I, I start think, their own countries. They're, they, some of them are bigger than the entire company economies of m- many, many countries.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think the I think it's always been that way, but there's it's it's changed. Right. It used to be the the banks always had the, the tallest building in every city, right? It was your your kinda but it was like your your home bank, right? And maybe it was national, but but it was it was it was different in the sense that there were these these for the most part, they were businesses that were established and been around for a long time, right? It wasn't like I just started a new company today and tomorrow I'm worth a billion dollars, right? So I feel like the it's speed, old, in old which, money
2: versus new money,
1: old money versus new money, and I feel like this the speed in which that these this this growth is happening and as quickly as as development and it has to do with the way our society is development, like developing everything is accelerated now, right? And then that includes the the, the establishment of these mega corporations where they just skyrocket. It's not overnight, but it's you know what what used to take forty years to develop is now taking like five, right? And and we're seeing these companies and and now too with the communication with with us, like for instance, right here, we you know we're in two different cities and we're we're doing a, a what what would be equivalent of an old radio show, right? And and with the mm-hmm. With the acceleration of communication and video chatting and Zoom and cell phones and satellite internet and Wi Fi, I mean, with all of this stuff, it makes it so much easier now to do international. Where before, if I wanted to do something international, I had to hop on a plane or go back even further in time, I had to hop on a ship, right? It wasn't, and, and, and in that case, it was a ship and I had to take a, a week long trek to get to this location and then a week long trek back, right? So I think all of this is is really just accelerating things and so we're seeing it happen before our eyes. Whereas before like a new bank would open up, you'd maybe start doing business with them and by the time you had grandchildren, it's like they had a couple more locations in a in a slightly larger building. Where now it's like I'm watching this meteoric rise happen right in front of my eyes and I'm seeing I'm seeing the exponential exponential growth almost instantaneously.
2: Yeah. I mean things things move so much faster now than they did even 40 years ago, like you said, back when we, when we were born, um, and that's computers and all the technology you listed off has accelerated communication and mobility and everything. Um, and I think the fear and what we're all kind of worried about, even if we worry about different ways, is how, how, pow, power tends to gather how do you keep the power from very quickly gathering in one place um, or in these kind of these small little islands and having it be drained away from everybody else? And I think that's a common, a common fear.
1: It is. And, and I think my biggest fear, and I think I speak for most Americans or at least certainly most conservatives is that that's the, the, the highest risk is the government, right? Because we have no choice in where that money goes and they just take it and start doing whatever they want, regardless of, regardless of if i agree with it or not right or regardless of if it's better for the country or if it's just good for this particular politician or right whatever fill in the blank
2: yeah, and i i would argue that these megacorps are uh equal or potentially even worse threats because of the international aspect um it, it's interesting it's like a, a new contender entered the the arena yeah <laughs> it's kind of what i'm it's kind of what i mentally into. like the governments the historical like the, the classic <laughs> Um, but, uh, I think megacorps are inter- interesting players as well.
1: I just don't, I just don't know that I can say that they're more, cause at the end of the day, we, we still have a choice. If we spend money like, in, and I know you gave the example of like Apple or Android, right? Or Apple or Google, right? Those are your choices when it comes to phones. You have two, you have really two choices, in really phone. two choices in reality. And I get, I can see where that becomes a problem. But if one starts going haywire and starts doing stupid stuff, we can, we can Switch to the other one, or if they both start doing crazy stuff, we do still have a choice that's just you know what I'm not going to have a cell phone, and I know that seems crazy, saying that would be extremely hard to do in today's society, but it still is a choice. It would be a difficult one, it'd be a painful one, but it's still a choice. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the government, yeah, we have I mean, no choice.
2: That, and, and theoretically, you could start another one, but good luck. That that's such an amazing. They would have to both be so horrible that there was some huge incentive to start a third one and have any chance. I mean, even Microsoft tried and failed. Yeah. Right. So it's, 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 it's a tough oligopolies are very hard to, to conquer, especially when they are kind of watching each other and following along. Um, it's hard to it's really hard to catch up. Um, but like, as you've said, the, the watching each other is beneficial. Like they said that no one can be like, they can't jack up the prices insanely or the other one will be like, I'm cheaper <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> come over here. Right. So there, there is at least a, a balance um, to that. But uh, getting back to taxes, one, one of the other things I wanted to, to mention was that we're saying like the government is taking say 50% of our income. If you're making a decent amount of money um, away, the problem is that's not enough. Yeah. We're um, constantly short. <laughs> we are short. That's the insanity. Yep. Right. The, and I can't even imagine how much short we were last year with with all this the stimulus and the stuff and even the stuff that we're continuing to do this year. Even before COVID, the, the government was one point five to two trillion dollars trillion dollars of deficit, um, and that was before COVID. I really should go look and see what last year was. It it has to be insane.
1: Yeah, but could you imagine running your household that way? Right, I mean, just continuing to build on this debt and just take out more debt take out more debt eventually like it's gonna it's gonna have to crash it has to right and the only way that we so last able to year survive was three
2: three point one Three point one trillion, 3.1 3.1 trillion 3.1. deficit last year, so that means the government spent three point one trillion dollars more than they brought in um and the thing is what they brought in is probably only like two trillion, so they probably more you know, like more than
1: doubled their income in spending, and
2: yeah. we're just like, it's cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Well, and the, and the way that they're give me, well, give me more money. I, I don't think anyone's saying it's cool. I don't think everyone's saying it's pissed off, but they just keep raising the, de- the damn debt ceiling. Um, but the, the only way this this works, and how they're justifying it at least, is that they're borrowing the money from other countries, generally speaking, and they're borrowing it at low interest rates, and they're they're essentially betting on that inflation is going to out earn the interest they're they're paying. But we haven't had inflation really in the last like. 10 years or at least measurable inflation. And so it it, it feels to me like, yeah, this is just all just waiting to just crash and our country could potentially become bankrupt overnight. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but we're at risk for that.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the magical solution for debt has always been inflation because if I borrow a hundred thousand dollars, but that hundred thousand dollars keeps losing value, then it becomes easier and easier and easier to pay off over the, term of that loan yep um so inflation that that's kind of why economists always argue that some inflation is good because it helps to kind of negate the negative effect of the debt but if there's next to, to no inflation that debt is just this rock yep that, just that it is just sitting on there holding you back and it's just hanging out there um and we've had such low inflation for so long this is part of the reason the student loans have been so bad for everyone who has student loans. Even yeah. if student loans have very low interest rates. The the government ones, the private ones have insanely high um interest rates which are horrible. Um but the government ones are pretty low interest rates, they're like 1. 1.6, 1. 1.7%. Um but even that without inflation, that money just sits and it. it is yep. just this this chain. Yeah, for 30 years. I mean, it's insane terms it's like mortgage terms. Yeah. on student loans as
1: well if we're constantly short, right, and and we're constantly raising this debt ceiling and we don't get the inflation, let's say we do now all of a sudden get in trouble, which it seems like we're heading that way, although I I expect inflation is going to come here soon. It has to. Um, and I, I, I would argue, I, I feel like the government has kind of forced inflation here with all these uh, stimulus and things, especially this last round of stimulus that they just uh, sent out. You know, they were showing some research and statistics on it that it was all spent on frivolous things. It wasn't spent on necessities like the, the first two were, right? It was, and, and, and you look at like, for instance, the price of lumber, the price of lumber in the last 12 months has increased like 250%, like something ridiculous. Um, and it's because that people got these checks and instead of putting them in their bank accounts and, or spending, spending them on groceries, which was kind of the intent they ran to the hardware stores or, you know, they, they ran and, and, and did things that weren't necessities and, and it's starting to push, push prices up. And it'll be interesting to see if this stays once the stimulus is kind of in the market and done. But like, I feel like this last stimulus was just a bad idea. I feel like it's, it's, it's going to be. I don't know too much. We've talked about this before in this podcast, too much inflation too quickly right now is the one thing that could cripple our economy. It's the only thing right now. Um, And that, that's why the fed has, has spent so much time, uh, keeping interest rates low, especially look at like home mortgages, for example, um, interest rates are that low because the government's been, been buying bonds and, and pushing rates lower to hold back inflation to make sure we don't get too much inflation too quickly. Cause again, cause they know that this is the one thing that cripples us. And I feel like they just pumped a ton of money into our economy, um, that really shouldn't have been there. it created artificial demand and artificial income. And, and with that comes my fear is inflation.
2: Well, historically, you always had to pay the piper. What I'm unsure about now is because of the Fed. I mean, the Fed is in all this also this thing that's not hasn't been around really for that long. I have to look up the date. Isn't it like 1950s or something that the Fed was established? Oh, it was, it was 1913 it as 1913. well. 1913 so was with the so with with, yeah, the so tax it was with code. income tax. Um, but the it it has not taken nearly the actions it has taken in the last few years ever. No, um, they have they basically given out money for free. Yeah. It's like this, it's this magic bank that has this infinite pile of cash that they can loan out at whatever rate they want. So if you've got that, what that enables is other banks to loan out money at super low rates too. They yep. can. So if, if you've got pile of free money, I me bank can say, okay, give me some free money and I'll loan it out at 2%. I don't care. 2% is better than zero. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm making pure profit on that 2% score. Right. Yeah, um,
1: and now the risk of default is way lower too, because well, if that happens, like you can just get more free money. <laughs> yeah, well, if you default, why default? Just get some more free money and pay yep. it off
2: your other debt, right? Yeah. And so it creates this snowball of free money causes just insane risk taking is is really what it causes because there's there's almost no downside. Now, if you screw I up, you can just get another one.
1: Now, in its beginning, or at least when the Fed started taking these actions, like, it made sense, right? They, this all started when we were trying to recover from the, the, the recession we had in, you know, 2008, 2009. They implemented a lot of this stuff in, like, 2010 as, as a way to, to get us out and stimulate the economy to get us out of the recession. And it worked, right? And they, and they, they did a good job, but they've never taken action like this in history. And so we truly are economically in an unknown and uncharted territory, all right and the challenge that the fed is having right now is multiple times over the last 3 4 years the Fed has come out and announced, okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna stop kind of incentivizing things. Or we're we're gonna we're gonna let interest rates rise a little bit. We're, we're gonna, gonna, gonna let inflation happen. We're gonna slow down our influence, and then something happens, right? Where all of a sudden, too much, you know, inflation spikes a little too much, and so they pump more money in. Or we had, uh, you know, there there was turmoil in China, and, that, and so the world economy was was in an influx, and you know, and then it was um, Greece was was bankrupt, and and that created the world markets to go crazy, and then it was you know. Syria started testing rockets and all of a sudden things started going crazy. So every single time they've, over the last four or five years, they've tried to kind of let things back, go back to normal. They've had to pull it back. And now they're stuck in this loop of, we, we've mm-hmm. almost done too much. And now we can't undo it. They've, like have the, got have foot to box. the floor
2: on the accelerator. The accelerator is all the way down. And it's as soon as they start letting up, uh, bad, it seems like... It's, 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 the spring is ready to spring into bad world <laughs> bad and so world so they can not they can't they can't let go so, so then the question is i mean they don't have to let go they they can keep interest rates low forever they're money printer the money printer go burr is is the the meme from 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 wall street bets um so the money Peter printer keeps going burr um what What happens if you you basically are preventing inflation by keeping the accelerator on free money and you just keep injecting all this free money that had no value associated with it? it came from it came from nothing
1: Well, it devalues the dollar mean? which which honestly and the only reason why I would argue it hasn't yet. Um, is because we still are the strongest country in the world, and so everyone, everything in the world right now is largely based on the U.S. Right? It's how's the U.S. economy? What's the U.S. doing? Like, w- w- there's so much that we as a country influence, and so it should be rampant inflation, right? The dollar should become freaking worthless
2: because we're 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 printing out these infinite supply of of dollars. The dollar should become worthless, right?
1: Yeah. So in theory that should be happening. And, and yeah, their actions should almost, th- they're doing these actions to stop inflation, but it almost should be creating inflation. It's this, it's this weird thing, but I think it's because of our world influence that they've been kind of able to hold it all at bay. Yeah.
2: The world value of the dollars kind of buffered um, us internally to be able to do this at least for a while. But at some point the world's got to be like, dude, dollars are crap. And then the switch to like a Euro standard yep. or something or a won or to the Chinese standard. Right. It seems like, I don't know. It, it seems like that's, it's got to hit at some point. If we keep, if we keep just saying, Hey, we'll just give out another $2 trillion. Trillions are insane amounts of money. Like that's yes. a million millions is a trillion.
1: It's that's a lot and what would you say we were we, we went in, we were in debt for last year 30 trillion oh the actual us debt um, last year alone last year
2: we were 3.1 trillion dollars deficit that's not the debt the debt's a totally different topic so the deficit is the def. this yeah. is an important thing that people confuse too so the the deficit is how much debt we're adding every year that's how much we added to the national debt last year it was 3.1 trillion dollars correct that's not the national debt the U.S. owes way no. more than that. Let's go
1: get I it. I want to look it yeah. up, but yes.
2: There's these really cool websites that have, like, these calculators that are actually, like, clicking along. So if you go to usdebtclock.org, it's one of the kind of the coolest ones. That's, that's exactly what I just pulled um, up. And it's got kind yeah. of these, like, clicking things, and you can watch. So you can see how much U.S. GDP is. That's how much value, theoretically, the U.S. is generating. Um, so national debt right now is at
1: $28 trillion. Oh man, this debt clot is scary to look at. You just watch the number; just it's just going up like crazy, like in the by the second. Oh yeah, it's
2: like a hundred thousand dollars every couple seconds. Chunk, hundred thousand dollars. It's crazy. Money printer go brr. burr. Because it's all money that doesn't exist, or it's being loaned from other countries. It's not U.S. money. So yep. it's it is scary. And this is right now saying the budget deficit is three point two trillion dollars right now um for this year for this well i don't know what the the time windows on something like that like a deficit is a yearly number so i don't Correct. know how it's judging like does that reset if we watch i guess we, the problem with these little clocks is you'd have to watch it on january 1st and see if it reset um yeah i, I don't know
1: i know what i'll be doing midnight next year. yeah week.
2: watching the usdebtclock.org
1: and seeing what happens <laughs> It's, I mean, it's it's when you start really digging into the stuff, and and it's really scary uh, of what our country has created, the way that they're operating. Um, you know, we go back to the, the money they're stealing from us. As, as I said, it's being used very inefficiently, and it's not even enough, right? And so my argument would be, okay, let's cut the fat and start attacking some of this problem areas. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a scary equation because we we we. We can only take so much from people, right? We're, we're not, I don't even know that we're generating enough income to pay to pay the, the national budget every year. Like if you just took 100% of everybody's income, we went purely socialism or communist, right? I don't even know that there'd be enough. So there is. So that's,
2: that's the GDP number, the gross domestic products. That's how much value was created in the United States. So if we look at 2020 GDP, if you look up whatever that number, that's $20.93 trillion dollars. So about $21 trillion is how much value was created in the United States last year. And what did we spend last year, though? Right, because we've looked at the deficit, but what was our total budget? So right now, this clock is showing the U.S. federal spending at $6.7 trillion. So that's about... about it
1: that's this, probably this
2: year. I don't think it's this year so far because it's too high. That's, that's more of a, a total how much they spend per year number. Um, we could, I believe that's accurate. We can look up 2020s. All
1: right, here it is, right here. Um, okay, so so also important to note, it would not reset in midnight. It does run off a fiscal year, which is new. I did not know this October. Um, so their fiscal years from October 1st to September 30th. So October 1st, 2019, through September 30th, 2020. Uh, revenue was $3.42 trillion. Um, spending was $6.55 trillion. So, yes, I guess in, in a purely communist scenario, we would have enough to cover it.
2: Yeah, it's it's the government right now. That, Although
1: in a communist scenario, now you've got to provide basic needs and everything else, and so now the budget just quadrupled. So the answer may be no still. <laughs> so, so the problem is right now the government
2: is spending about a third of US GDP. They're only collecting about half of that, of the money that they need to spend that much. So the other half is coming from debt. So the, the solution is you could steal more, right? You could, you could take more out of the economy and rather than do debt, or as Artie is arguing, you could trim the fat. You could spend less and try to get as much value. Um, and as in all things, the answer is probably both but that means collect more taxes and spend less. But the problem is the thing is that that still doesn't get, that might get you balanced. If you collected more taxes and you spent less, so you got, get your deficit down and you get your income up, you, you might be able to get to balanced. Right. Um, but then we're all on and everyone loses. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I. It's amazing. Like, like this vaccine program is a great example. Like, the government spent ten billion dollars on that. That was Operation Warp Speed, where they funded a whole bunch of different um, vaccine creators to come up with this this vaccine quickly, which was great. Um, that's a such a small fraction of the U.S. budget. Ten billion dollars is not even a percent. So, in this kind of international emergency. Our 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 response was still less than one percent of our budget to uh, to handle that emergency. Where the heck is all the other money going? Yeah, it...
1: <laughs> Bingo! This is the question all conservatives has been asking every time they, they, there's a budget conversation or a fight to raise the debt ceiling or. Fill in the blank, right? Because because then, then you like where we see this money being played out. You know, for example, like and I know it's county and city, but you go to the DMV, and you deal with the most unpleasant person ever in the world, um, right? And and there's some and everyone's just standing around, sitting around, like the, the, No one's really doing anything. It appears like it, it's just a terrible experience. I'll, I'll give a, a recent example. Ryan, you and I are, are are launching a new company, which we're really excited about but we've had to delay things drastically because the IRS was taking forever just to issue us an EIN number, which is your employer identification number. It's basically your social security number for, for a company, right? And it took them 40, almost 45 days to just literally print a freaking piece of paper. Right? and then i had to call them yesterday yeah i had to call the irs talk about a pleasant experience and i spoke with someone who was not pleasant at all and was was annoyed that i called her and interrupted her day to just ask like hey can we just see where things are at it's you know you guys said that this is supposed to take only 2 weeks it's been it's been 40 it's been 42 days like can we just check on this oh it's not going to be ready but due due to covid and with new regulations we now have 45 days to get this and you're not going to get it a day before day 45 well, okay, could, could, could you just check please? Like we're two days away. Like everything's being held up by this. You're stopping business. You're stopping us from hiring people. You're stopping us from creating income so we can give you more money <laughs> first off, right? And, and okay, final check. And sure enough, there it was. But it was like, come on. Like, so this is our interaction. Like, right, I'm, you're stealing my money to create this, right? And waste all this money and waste. And there's all this waste. There's this un, un, unpleasantness. Like everything about the government is just, I hate to say it, it's ugly.
2: The argument, though, is the same argument as, as for capitalism: is it's better than all the other bad things.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I I'm a big small government guy. Like, just shrink it down. Give us the basic necessities that are that were in the Constitution, um, you know, or in the Declaration of Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Like, yes, we have a military, but the military is supposed to protect our country. And I I know there's there's reasons we get involved internationally um but there's also we probably do that a little too much right we've become the the protector of the world which necessarily shouldn't be our role and we're and we the taxpayers are paying for that right i mean if we shrink down the government just provide the basic necessities and let us the people do our thing right let businesses grow businesses and hire people let people create income let you know, it kills me every year because like we we work our tails off to create income and create jobs and create businesses and and do things that are making a difference in the world and making the difference in in people's lives and and we essentially get penalized for it. Um and and every year I feel like I'm getting just a little bit ahead. I feel like I'm moving the needle and here's a giant tax bill and we're and and now. It's like, I, I feel like I've, I've taken two steps forward and five back is, is what it feels like. And I know that's not always the case, right? And I know that, you know, the percentages, you know, work is progressive and, and all that stuff. But man, it, that's, that's what it feels like. And it's like, what the hell am I doing every year around this time? Like, why the hell am I killing myself? Why am I doing all this? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So we're we're back to the beginning. Taxes suck and podcast and taxes over. Taxes suck.
2: <laughs> the government does do some useful things. How do you keep it from getting too big and being wasteful? And uh I, I don't I don't know the question the answer to that.
1: I, I don't have I don't have like the perfect answer and, and honestly I'm not, I'm not in the government I don't work for the government I'm not familiar enough with the inner workings but from the outside looking in I know this is the argument of most conservatives it just looks super wasteful and we're wasting trillions of dollars trillions of dollars um, and, and taking out trillions more in debt every single year and yeah I, t- t- you, I think you, you hit the nail on the head where is it all going? <laughs> <laughs> trillions of dollars and we can't, we, we can't keep a handle on these things. I mean, I, I feel like we need to rein Washington in, right? We we need, our government needs to be reined in. Um, we need better accountability financially. Right, I feel like we've got all these checks and balances as it relates to, um, as it relates to like policies and politics but we the people who are supposed to be the accountability people holding accountable have no idea what's really happening with all these numbers as, as i'm sitting here and just these numbers are still just climbing as you said a hundred thousand dollars by the second where's it all going right and, and and why are we so inefficient and why is no one willing to fix this because when you quit
2: spending money someone loses every time
1: right so you're picking the losers yeah but but it's not, you go back to this argument a lot. Like we're picking losers. It, it's more about we're at a point now where we need to, this needs to be fixed and right. And, and short term pain equals long term gain. Right. And we, we've experienced this a lot in business, right? When we take a big hit in business, man, it hurts, but man, it, it forces us to grow. It forces us to change things and it makes us better and more efficient in the long term. This is where the politics right? is. Right. And so politics
2: we, is making these choices. It's who's going to lose. Who, who is going to stop getting money? whose jobs are going to have to cut? who's going to have to have layoffs? who's going to have to lose the benefits? All this money just turns into people. Most of this money is not going into things. Almost all that money is going into people. So I mean some money goes into like things, but in, in the end it's the people making the things. Um, so to make those charge decisions to, to, to do what you're saying to to cut the to cut the spending, we have to make hard choices and yet to choose who's gonna lose their jobs. And that's something that no one likes to do. Right? Every any politician who does that is gonna lose is gonna lose their popularity. And unfortunately I get politicians it, but this, are so much of a popularity is, contest, right? It's a who can get the most votes. It, it, it is, and that's the sad part. Right? Who can get the most votes? Who's the most popular? The most popular person is not gonna cut but jobs. Supposed to be our.
1: But they're supposed to be our leaders, it's right? And part being, of being a leader is making the tough calls. It, it right, is, and doing, making the unpopular decision for the benefit of the of the whole. We've we've created
2: a political system that's a popularity contest, and you're asking the popularity contest result to do something that is not popular. So the system is it seems inherently against fixing itself. I think that's kind of the argument I've tried to make in this whole conversation today is that the system is designed not to fix itself.
1: But at some point, then we're just going to break and, and and irreparably break, yep. and my, my, right? If you don't fix... My
2: historian friend would, would be things, quoting the Roman Empire and how it did the exact same thing. It grew and got fat yep. Bingo. and gluttonous, and eventually it went poof. And yep, the question is that <laughs> it may be inevitable. <laughs>
1: Well, but it's not if we if we make the tough decisions
2: that need to be made now. But that the person who is if if we the person making that argument is not going to get elected, and so
1: they will not be able to make that that change. But but um, so I'm talking to all of our listeners. We (laughs) the people need to elect the person that will make that change. We we need to be start thinking about. Yes, it might hurt a little bit here in the short term. We might have a, a a small recession but then we'll be so much stronger when it's all said and done. Like it's almost like in this conversation and looking at, as we kind of use the example of, of the government incentivizing the recovery, it's almost as if from 2008, 2009 recession, it's almost as if maybe they shouldn't have, maybe that would have caused us to make some changes that maybe would have caused us to, to fix some things that need to be fixed um, and to deal with the recession versus essentially hide it. That's essentially what we did. We said, there's a recession. Yeah, let's pump some money and just kind of put it off in the corner and pretend it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it, it didn't. Re- recession's are corrections, meaning it, it, it's there was a problem It is now being corrected, right? And we, we essentially stopped the correction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, again, I, I feel like we need the we need the short term pain for the long term gain, and and we the people as a whole have to be willing to do that. Nah, we, and that is we'd a rather tough just argument. keep to drinking our, our energy drinks, like we'll
2: fix it. The world just gets a bunch of caffeine. We'll be all good, and then our heart explodes
1: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly my, my my one of my favorite quotes is by dave ramsey who if you guys haven't checked out dave ramsey he, he he is a financial guru he's all about anti-debt and getting people out of debt he does tremendous things and he's he's a very very wise man when it comes to money and and, and he just says it how it is but one of my favorite things that he says and it's, it's his quote and it's a lesson that he learned the hard way because he actually went bankrupt and that's how he started again he had a correction and he learned from it grew from it became efficient that's how this whole his whole enterprise came about um but his saying that one of his things i love so much is you can't out earn stupidity (laughs) basically at some point it's going to crash right Mm -hmm.
2: yeah it that's that's what i fear and the problem is it's just like global warming is can it be stopped and you're right it can be but the, the problem is is there the political will to stop it and that's where it seems like the answer in most cases is no
1: I think that's true, but I think the answer is no. But I, what I would question is it no because I don't think it's no because people have a full understanding of what's really happening and the implications of all this. I think it's no because I'm ignorant um, and things are going well, and I'm just and ignorance is bliss, right? I'm not looking at this usdebtclock.org. dot org. I'm not. I'm not having these conversations that we're having, right? It's. It's not looking at the numbers. It's just you know, do I have a, do I have a roof over my head? Do I have groceries in the fridge? Do I have and and beer in the fridge? And if I do, then yay, everything is great. And I want it to stay that way. Mm -hmm. Right. It's again, kind of, and I, I I hate going back to this because I I want to argue your point so much, but yet it it keeps coming up is that everybody's inherently selfish. Right. And so if this is good for me right now, then, you know, it's good. It's good. It's just good in general, and I'm going to support it, but not looking at, very few people look at long term very few people think about long term implications very few people take don't take very few people take the time to sit down and okay well if i have this thing today what does that mean for tomorrow right and um and i feel like that that's the conversations that need to happen right now um is Here's where we're at. Here's what the numbers look like. And if we continue on this path, here's what this is going to look like. I think. Is this the world that you want to have in 20 right. years? Or is this I think the world people, you want to live in? maybe that is
2: the solution. People start painting this future that's not so good. The problem is forecasting is super hard, right? Forecasting the future is, is. inherently hard. It's inherently wrong. You're going to be wrong about some things. Maybe you're right about some. Um, and if someone could paint this future that's bleak and show a true path, it's going to happen then maybe you could get this change that you need. But the problem is the future stays fuzzy and humans are so adaptive. Like we can adapt in the short term to make things work. Like print some money. It, it's great now. We're all good yeah. right now, right? And so we're really good at adapting into the short term and making things okay right now. And we just keep pushing the dates, pushing the dates, pushing the dates. It's the question is when, I said the, the Fed's accelerator is already at the floor. When, when are we not? When are we going to get in trouble
1: and not have any more... Nothing left to push. Yeah. When are we going to run out of gas? Yeah. When, when, is the,
2: when is there just, there's nothing left. There's nothing else we can do. And now, now it goes
1: boom. And so that's. Well, and I think that's the. <laughs> there's our positive ending to our podcast Doug. today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but I feel like that you hit the nail on the head, right? Is, is our government has been very good at adapting um, to short-term problems. And their solution has been throw money at it. And so it's created kind of this false safety net. Like so, even if we painted this picture, I think the, a common reaction would be, "Oh, that's fine. The government will just send me another stimulus check, Don't, I'm not worried about it, right?" Or the government will just spend more money and figure it out, or or whatever. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's the challenge. Is now we've got this this false safety net. Yeah, it's it's the problem is it's false long term. It's it's the
2: we're we're passing the costs off to the future, and that's that's something that humans yep. are extremely good at. We, 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 we will pollute and the future. We'll have to deal with that. We will, you know, print money in the future. We'll have to deal with that because right now we're good. And the future is our kids. Um, so hopefully people start caring.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. anyway, we're, we're running out of time here. So sum it up, Ryan, what's your final thoughts? My
2: final thought is taxes are bad. But they are inevitable in some flavor. We 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 focused really on income taxes today. Um, If there wasn't income taxes, we would have higher sales taxes, or we would have value added tax, like the Europeans have. We would have different different flavors of higher property, higher super higher property taxes. They they the money would get from somewhere. Um, I think kind of summarizes like we've got to start thinking more about the future instead of just the present, and we need to kind of start grafting that future that's going to work out well for the human race and for our kids and not that and quit taking these kind of short term injections of caffeine that are going to get us by for now, but then,
1: uh, they have to come bite us eventually. Yep. Yeah. I I think that's pretty, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with your, your, your summary there. Taxes suck, um, way too complex, way too difficult to understand for the average American, um, And we've got a real problem on our hands and something needs to be done about it. And short-term pain may be the thing because short-term pain could equal long-term gain. And we need leaders and people to start having these conversations and start willing to do what may be some very difficult decisions. So um, that's it. Taxes suck. Thanks for being here. (laughs) We appreciate you guys. Awesome.